Today's episode mentions gun violence as pertaining to public spaces, including schools and hospitals. We are deeply saddened at the recent tragedies that have occurred in many places we expect to be safe, and hope that some of our conversation today will open the eyes of a lot of people to where the opposing side is coming from. Welcome back to the Making a Difference for Us podcast, where you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Spotify. I'm your host, Margo, and I'm joined today by Edwin, Jim, Kevin, and a new panelist, Hyatt. If you'd like to go ahead and introduce yourself. Thank you, and hello, listeners. My name is Hyatt Derbis, and I'm excited to be joining the Mad for Us podcast. A little bit about myself. I recently graduated from University of California, Berkeley, with a Bachelor's of Arts in Political Science, Go Bears, And I'm excited to join the podcast because I love busting myths about politics and understanding different political perspectives. My main goal when I talk politics is to decrease animosity between different political parties and their constituents. I'm really looking forward to being part of the conversation today. And it's nice to meet everyone. Thank you. Today we'll be discussing gun control with our first beginning with what is the original meaning of the Second Amendment and how is it used in modern society? What are the potential implications of not changing current gun control laws and what would be the potential implications of changing current laws? Please consider other countries with gun control laws similar and more restrictive than our own and look at what their violent and fatal crime rates are compared to ours per capita. And finally, what would be the best answer to making our society a safer place to live as well as a safer environment for children in places that are already supposed to be safe? Would it be more helpful for our country to be focusing on mental health issues, including those struggling with addiction in any form? gun control laws, or a mixture of both. And Jim, if you'd like to go ahead and start us out. Sure, thank you, Margo. And hello, everyone. Uh, This one is near and dear to my heart. I'm a life member of the NRA, gun owner, concealed carry holder, and uh, staunch advocate. And I think the the questions really get to all of that. And the first one's the best. What's the original meaning of the Second Amendment? How's it used in modern society? The original meaning is that individuals have the right to be armed for their own defense. And that's against both individual predators and their own government. Um, It was based in the experiences of our founders in having to throw off an oppressive government in England, uh, which obviously couldn't have been done if they'd been disarmed. And so they made sure to codify that we all had the right to weapons of self-defense um, specifically to weapons that are typical to the military of the time. And so um, back then it was muskets. Today, you know, we hear people talking about assault weapons. Most of them who talk about them can't define them. Um, but the, we- the infantrymen's weapons of today are certainly included within the Second Amendment. And how's it used in modern society? The same way. Um, I, I refer to all the cheerleading for the defenders of Ukraine is a very good example. And if you think what's happening in Ukraine couldn't happen here, you're deluding yourself. It's much less likely because of the strength of our defense and our particular geographic location, but it can certainly happen here. And having citizens who can defend their country is one of the keys to maintaining freedom. Um, The potential implications for not changing current laws are that the current laws are sufficient There are 20,000 plus 
gun control laws on the books in America today. It's not a lack of laws that are problems. Uh, changes in society, and I, I would beseech those of you who are against uh, the current situation to think about what's changed. It's not guns in America. Guns in America were uh, widespread in the 1950s when there were almost no murders and certainly no mass murders that we see today. Um, and I refer back to things like um, policing in the cities and the state of the family and common values as the things we need to look at. And then um, the best answer to making society a safer place is to get back to those traditional values, particularly the family. You know, I, I for one look at this as emblematic of the whole situation with a lot of our discussions. And that is, to me, the left pulls a really neat trick over and over and over again. They destroy something within our society. It causes new problems. And then they come up with other ways to take away our rights and say that they're going to solve those problems. Unfortunately, we've seen ample evidence, number one, that uh, those changes never deliver the goods. We've had an assault weapons ban, for example, that did nothing. Um, but to me, too, the key is that what I said earlier, thinking about what has changed and what we need to go back to to get to the safe society we once had. Thanks, Margo. Thank you, Jim. And Kevin, if you'd like to go ahead and give us your thoughts on today's questions. Thanks, Jim. <clears throat> Thanks, Margo. Um, really, th this is kind of dear to my heart, too. Uh, Jim would be surprised that I, I'm actually a concealed weapons carrier as well as a gun rights advocate when it comes to you know being responsible. But when we really look at the original meaning of the Second Amendment and how it is used in modern society today, I think it's kind of given us, once again, I have a right. And the Second Amendment protects individuals' rights to possess a gun, uh, our arms under connections with the civil, with the service of militia and the use of arms in a traditional lawful purpose, such as self-defense within the home. But one of the things that really kind of captured my whole piece was when we're talking about, you mentioned earlier, Jim, about the vision of the founding fathers, that the Second Amendment grew out of a proper belief in the founding era that America's standing armies posed a threat to liberty. And there are better ways to defend the nation while preserving freedom was the militia, composed of all eligible bodies or men fighting for their country and their community. So today when we come back there, it went against the whole meanings because now we basically have how ironic this is in today's world that our military service is funded and operated by the federal government, which is against the definition of the Second Amendment. But here's the debate that the terms that we always talk about, the Second Amendment, and then we're you know, changing that Second Amendment because of the military um, power and what it was originally posed. But then again, we're talking about gun control and what does that really mean from an individual? So we, we have our rights to do that. But to me, that's really kind of hypocrisy at the best because now we're having a funded government that's doing that, which was one of the reasons for the Second Amendment. That's where I've kind of looked at it, maybe wrong or right. But those are the things I kind of looked at that as saying, yes, we do have that, but let's not hide behind it because there are some greater responsibilities because when you're talking about militia, okay, that was a point that most individuals at that time understood what the guns, because they also used guns for hunting and other means. So there was a responsibility act from that standpoint. So when we're looking at the potential implications, not changing gun control laws, and what is the potential um, implications for not changing gun control laws? I kind of look back at the 1900s when it was a wild, wild west, because there was a period of time in the, the 
late eight, 1800s to basically before the, uh, World War II, um, I think it's going to become that wild, wild west again because today's um, culture and how we've actually evolved, um, it's more or less a polarized country and what I can do and not to do. Uh, there's been a lot more shootings on the on highways because of people outrage and whatnot. But once again, I'm looking at technology and you know demand and supply. Gun manufacturers right now are going to continue to look at how to make weapons more powerful and they're going to continue to buy because once again there's no terminology on what i can have and what i can carry versus a musket to an ak-47 or an m m4 so one of the things i think with that being a problem it's a threat to our police department or maybe a decline in law enforcement to do the risk today um so when we're looking at armed forces we, we can look at sometimes are they willing to go in there because now um the people that they're trying to defend individuals and um individuals with guns have just the same amount of firepower as the police officers. So to me, that's kind of scary when you're talking about some of the guns can go right through their um, armored vest and whatnot. Um, also, we're looking at people staying at home. The impact is parents are now willing to stay at home with their kids and homeschool them because of the risk. Our trust in our system is declining from those standpoints. And once again, we show some increase um, in deaths over 20, um, 2020. We saw an increase of about 45,000 deaths due to uncontrolled related injuries to guns. So a lot of things come into place. And like I said, there's some concerns from my standpoint. Well, do you have any considerations of other countries? Right now, I don't think it's about other countries. It's about our country. It's about holding everyone accountable for their actions compared to ways of having excuses, mental issues, economic, religion, race, or many others. Here in America, we get three strikes and you're out. Everyone has rights under our constitution. So I think at the end of the day, I think we have opportunities here. The last piece I want to make sure of focusing on is mental health. It is a major, major issue today in our society. But when you're talking about mental health, we have the homeless people. We have uh, social media wanting to be liked for success, lack of patience. Being kind is no longer a word or patience in today's society. So once again, we pulled together 9-11. But right now, we're so far from 9-11. And that's been 20 plus years ago. So. I'm only basically seeing where we're headed. I don't know. I don't really like where we're going. Thank you, Kevin. And Edwin, if you'd like to go ahead and give us your thoughts on today's questions. Absolutely. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Jim. Uh, much like Kevin and Jim both, I'm, I'm a huge advocate of the Second Amendment and always been a gun-toting individual and growing up around guns. So my opinion is much of the same as Jim's. And my understanding of the Second Amendment is pretty much the same as Jim and Kevin. So that's your right to bear arms. And that is unconnected to that of the military. And that is protection of your, your freedoms and your rights, including uh, 
home home protection. So to build gun controls around your ability to protect your freedoms, protect your family, self-defense, you're changing things that were put in place to help you, help you protect the things you believe in. And again, Jim said something about the Ukraine. Ukraine is a prime example. They were short on firearms and they were needing help to protect themselves. So they depended on other countries to provide firearms and, and ammunition and all these things that, you know, if they had the right to bear arms and they had free access to uh, weapons to help protect themselves and their freedoms, we may see a different outcome right now. And right now they're struggling to get additional resources from other countries. Now, <clears throat> if we start controlling taking care of gun control a different way in this this country and, and robbing people of their, their right to bear arms, then you know, we potentially can be another Ukraine where we're dependent on other people to provide us firearms. I don't want to be in that situation. I won't be in that situation. So, you know, we look at all the most recent violence. A lot of that's all, you know, it, it, it's people that probably should not have firearms. And part of that is the betting out of people who purchase them. So, I, again, you look at the most recent stats around the people that are committing gun violence. A lot of these are people that shouldn't have guns to begin with, either obtain them illegally, given them as gifts without the, the knowledge of how to use them, not gone through any kind of class learning about gun safety, maybe watching things that empower them to go do things they shouldn't do. And I go back to my youth and I think about how do I end up with a gun the first time? I ended up with a gun the first time because I took a hunter safety class that taught me about how guns would be used in a hunting situation for animals of uh, of, of game animals. Thank that you, we would... Edwin, and finally, hi. And then taught me a lot about gun safety. But I don't think questions. You know, if you're 21 um, years old, you don't My answer to the first question, a, a kind of original meaning of the gun. Second Amendment. So I think there's probably um, some things we can do. I just want to give a little bit of history to Porton. James Madison was a really big proponent of this amendment. Really, the purpose was to allow the creation of civilian forces that can counteract a tyrannical government. Injuries from guns and anti-federalist government with a strong centralized military, which is established by the constitutional constitutional convention gave the federal government too much power and a potential for violent oppression. And so, yeah, its original purpose was to protect people from a strong central government that could overtake them. And if it's not, it was to not repeat what and where many married their overarching power. And today, I feel like though it's used just throughout everything. I actually agree when Jim says. Guns haven't changed. So what are the implications? People have, You're just going to have um, people you know, find another way for hunting, to target shooting. Thanks, and according to Hudson, that was taken when they asked gun owners um, whether for the following reasons they do or do not use a gun. Hunting and target shooting within in 2005 has stayed relatively the same. In 2005, 58% of gun owners said they used a gun for hunting. And in 2021, 56% did. When it was for target shooting in 2005, 66% of gun owners said uh, they used a gun for target shooting. And in 2021, 70% said they did. But when it comes to protection against crime, this is where the big change has happened. In 2005, about 65% of gun owners for protection. And then in 2021, 88% did. So that's a, and we can talk more about that later. But some of the potential implications of not changing the current gun control laws 
um, I think it's going to feed into a vicious cycle with more incidents of violence, more school shootings, more suicides, crime, and ultimately more guns. Um, people are constantly trying to protect themselves from other members of society because I think the government to make safe places for even children in schools. And the solution is not to change gun laws for some people, which means you're still allowing people to have easy access to guns. And so people are going to get guns to protect themselves from crime. And from the Gallup poll I mentioned earlier, we see that in 2005, 65% of gun owners thought that's why they was one of the reasons why they had a gun, and now it's 88. And I think it's just going to contribute to people growing weary and distrustful of one another. And that will further contribute to the idea that the government cannot protect, and people will expect to protect themselves, um, which in public can lead to someone to think they can be a hero and take someone down, which is true if it's a trained individual, and that's great. But what if it's like an everyday civilian like myself, where I have no training on things like AIM, de-escalating situations, or like a protocol that I should follow? And I can't even trust myself to not shoot a gun and hurt someone as an innocent bystander. And so I think this is going to just lead to more incidents of violence uh, when a person then runs into a risky situation. And then kind of the best answer to making society a safer place, um, it's kind of a uh, focusing on mental health and a According to the second, I mean, June 2022, just this year, guns have killed some 19,000 people in the United States, and a majority of those were in acts of suicides. Um, and I think shootings have garnered a lot of attention within schools because it's a place that should be safe. But we see that most people are actually dying from guns as a result of suicide, and I think that's tragic. And according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, their leading cause in death reports, um, suicide was the 10th leading cause of death overall in the U.S. And so knowing that suicide is on the leading cause of death, it's kind of more prevalent to have gun control laws that focus health. Thank you, Margo. Thank you, Hyatt. And now transitioning into our open discussion, I do. Uh, first, do you think that the U.S. media has an issue identifying those who commit mass shooting as domestic terrorists and protect gun control laws? Do you think that the U.S. media has an issue identifying those who commit mass shootings as domestic terrorists in order to deflect from the fact that gun control laws are not as strict as they should have been in order to prevent mass or for another reason? No, I, I think really, I, Margo, I think it's once again, it's that narrative, okay, and how we want to, you know, tell the story, you know, because like you said, there's nothing that's been changed since Bath, because there was Bath, Michigan, right, Jim? many years ago, mass shootings. And that was in the 30s. I, I don't know for sure if it's in the 30s or 40s, but it was way back. And if you really look at it, that was a mass shooting at school. So have we evolved and changed things? No, you know, even when from the, our days we had Columbine. So once again, you know, and then we had 9-11. Prior to that point in time, you know, when you're talking about mass destruction or, you know, uh, hate crimes and whatnot, it wasn't really until 9-11 that really surfaced. So once again, it kind of comes back to that narrative on how we want to tell the story of America and how the rest of the world wants to see it. And I think we have, we got to stop kidding ourselves. There is an issue, and I'm going to use Pareto principle, 80-20. We spend 80% of our time on 20% of the knuckleheads. And so to me, is how do we continue to kind of look at that opportunity to improve that process and the narrative? And sometimes we need to just take, say it like it is, okay? And it's not guns that killing people or people with guns. And that's one of the things I want to try to control. And I'm like you said, I know what it takes to get a concealed weapons. It's pretty simple. 
But I also understand when we were talking about earlier, Jim and Edwin was talking about hunter safety courses. Okay, a lot of people are carrying guns. They've never done that because it's easy to get a gun and it's easy to pull the trigger. So I think there's some other things that we need to go about trying to figure out why. It's so I do want to uh, talk about the question you posed, Margo, and, and I have an extreme antipathy to what the corrupt media does with this subject because it's always about beating up conservatives. You have um, the the most contorted um, rationales made when there's a, a significant shooting to tie the shooter to conservative causes. Um, if there's any cause, then they're asking conservatives to disavow this and that. Uh, and yet you have a James Hodkinson who, um, you know, wanted to wipe out the Republican members of Congress, shot Steve Scalise. Um, Bernie bro, and that's been airbrushed. What do you hear about him anymore? So I think the media is absolutely to be ignored on this subject. They're corrupt and they have an agenda and it's not keeping us safe and it's not helping society. Um, <clears throat> yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, well, it's in your own state. Talk about Governor Whitmore. Who was, who was actually threatened to kill her? Was that concerned? Yeah, the FBI. That was the FBI? <laughs> Okay. Which, yeah, I'm glad okay, you said so, that because oh, FBI, come on, Jim. Yeah, because FBI we talked was, about the FBI's been under everybody. I but know. Same, so when you're talking about media, we got FBI. So the conspiracy theory behind that one, I just kind of want to let's kind of expand on that. You know, and and that should give everyone pause about conceding further liberties to the government because the government has clearly proven that they're not only not responsible to uh take care of us they're they're actively attacking us in some ways um i don't want to i, 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 I did want to i did want to compliment everyone on the homework you did because everyone made superb points and and it's not that there are two sides to this issue but you know one thing i did want to touch on uh kevin is you talked about the high power weapons and that's always something people throw out with the whole ar-15 discussion it it's a fact that the world war ii uh, M1 Garand is a higher power rifle than the AR-15. The 223 round versus a 30-06. What's the availability of it, right? AK-47 were pumped out, so you're talking about and, availability. You yeah, and, and obviously the high-capacity magazines and the, and the ugly look. I mean, it's quite frankly what a lot of people are put off by is it's it's a military-looking weapon where nowadays you look at, an, at a Garand, it looks like a hunting rifle. Right. So well, and the ironic thing is in 1789 when the second amendment was was brought up, you gotta imagine an assault rifle then was a musket, right? Black yeah. powder. That was an assault rifle at that point, right? It wasn't it was what the military used. So, you know, travel ahead till 2022. People own the same thing the military has. You know, they they own an AR-15. It's basically the, the equivalent to what people owned. Back in the late 1700s, when they had the right to bear arms, they had the same thing the military had, right? But the, the question is, is that it's always bigger, better, or faster, or stronger? Okay. Well, so is everything else. So is your car. Right. So, so as you look at this, your house, so is everything. You you build things bigger, better, and, and faster. That's what it is. But if you look at the rounds that it took to load a musket, which is the three, 30 seconds, Okay, and what the rounds? So an AK-47 compared to today would actually take 30 soldiers back then, and what it does today. 
So it's about the sure numbers and the force and the power behind it. So when you're sitting there saying, was were they holding up stores and killing people back then with the musket? And if they were, they had a better chance because they also had bow and arrows. They had other things. I'm just trying to figure out this piece. Yeah, Jim. It, yeah. It's crazy. It's you, hey, look, it takes you 10 yeah. seconds to walk to your bathroom, but in 1789, it took you five minutes to walk to the outhouse. So Right. But, so, but we've evolved. The question is, it, even from that standpoint, you know, the weaponry is now available that's stronger, powerful, more forceful. Okay. And even you sit back there because a musket allows you to go 100 feet. And then what was the accuracy of that piece as well? Because if you could sit there and you look at some of the acronyms, a lot of people walked away from the Civil War and all those other faces today, right? Honestly, you get shot. Okay. You bandage it up and go, today, it's like you said. You know, listening to my my son talk about how the the, the weapons that they go go through, and it's like shooting a watermelon. You know, all those pieces are really a fact. I and like I said, it's still the human body. It hasn't changed. Did back in 1776 did our body change any? No. Okay, but now what you're looking at the powerful weapons now are just destroying everything. So now what we do is we have armor. Okay, now that armor starting to penetrate the armor. So when is it going to get to that point where enough's enough? So now I got to have a nuke. This is what the problem is with the world. You have a nuke, I got a nuke. I got a bigger nuke, you got a bigger nuke. So now it's trying to figure out how to defend that nuke. So the question is, we've gone down to a lower scale. So when is enough? I'm just I'm just kind of curious. When is enough? So you got a gun, I got a gun. So that's what I'm saying. I mean, as on times, I think it's far too easy for me to have gotten my gun when I did. My background check took a total of 18 seconds, which is nowhere near long enough that, in my opinion, that's not long enough for an in-depth background check to properly determine if the person who is trying to buy this gun should actually be doing, be posed more of a harm. I did want to build on that. I think gun laws aren't to protect people who have guns, it's to protect people who don't. Um, it's really, I myself in a situation, I would never get a gun. I just, I have no reason for it. I don't think I have the time, the money, or the ability to spend and go to training classes and follow the right protocol. Let alone if I were in this situation and I had a gun, I doubt I could use it properly. And so it's, what do you do when I feel like there's a sense where everyone's trying to use a gun in order to protect themselves. Well, what about the people who don't want to use a gun? It's very costly, I think, to get a gun. you got to learn about it if you really want to properly have one. And so it's really cool to, for people to say, like, yes, I can stop this situation of violence by having a gun or protect myself. What about those people who don't? And how are you going to prevent someone else from using a gun against those people who don't want to protect themselves in that way but want to rely on the police? And I support anyone's right to rely on the police, but I personally don't rely on the police because they're not reliable. It's an unfortunately unfortunate thing we saw in Uvalde that the police stood down and what was it, nearly an hour and a half that the gunman was in, in the school before he was taken out. Um, the fact is, the law says the police have no duty and so if you're relying on them, you, you should darn well be what I will say, um, according to the U.S. Department of Justice, in their 1993 to 2000 level special report on firearm violence, 
Uh, one of the highlights was that in 2007-11, less than 1% of victims in all non-fatal violent crimes reported using a firearm to defend themselves in the incident. It's really rare, I think, that people actually get the opportunity to use a firearm to defend themselves. Actually, Professor John Lott has documented a million uses a year. Um, bit of a disagreement between the statistics. researchers there, yeah. Um, I, I tend to believe Professor Lott since uh, I've seen his methodology, uh, so and we'll I don't believe our Justice Department because they're obviously politicized. Also Mer think Merrick Garland ought to have a Democratic rah-rah shirt when he goes on TV. I also think of firearms are deterrent. So well, that, that's, it yeah, time. it's not a million people shooting. Yeah, not a million it's people shooting. It's a million shooting, you that brandishing. It's even just yeah. having the gun there available. Yeah. Somebody shows up at your door, home intrusion. You come to the door with a gun, they leave. Well, right. Well, I think there's a lot of pieces to that because one of the things is if you had a concealed weapons license, the first thing was not to pull out the gun. Okay. It's the last right. thing. But my training basically say if you can get out of the, if get out, of whatever situation you possibly can away from it that is your last resources if someone's within you who's prevent if an old lady in a rocker has a a cane at you and going towards you and hitting you in the head you don't pull out the gun and shoot her okay and but i was in a concealed weapons class where people were pulling out their guns at every situation so the question is is yes i have the gun i have this it's the last case even with my wife and i i i've gone through that training but I said, when someone comes in our house, our number one job, I'm not there to protect my shit, is to get out of the house, okay? Unless I'm not in there. But if I assume whenever I'm not glass and I'm not trying to shoot somebody, okay? Because at the end of the day, if I still take a life, I got to deal with that. I don't care what no one says. I've dealt with individuals who have taken lives, even for the right reason. But if I can get out of the house and someone wants my shit, I also sit there and you want my shit, I'll load it up and I'll put it in your car and I'll drive you there. But it's not worth me. Wild, wild west, I'm protecting my crap. Because nine times out of ten, I'm going to be shooting all over the place and I'm not going to understand that piece. And Jim, you mentioned earlier about the police officers going into the school. Once again, the power of that gun, is it worth their life to sit back there and figure? They already know they have casualties. But do they want to go home? A lot of those individuals are saying in the right reason, but they're also put, now putting that question, should I go in that building? So now we're looking back at that, that slippery slope. Okay. Yeah, but if you're so, a police officer, you signed up for the, those risks to begin with. You also didn't decide to walk into to a gunfight with a knife either, Ellen. So when we're looking at those pieces, right? That's, we signed that's up. That's a to great point, Kevin. Uh, and, and I'm going to concede something here. I used to be staunchly against the militarization of our police forces, and some of the discussion around Uvalde convinced me I was wrong about that. Because if you are going to battle against someone with high capacity magazines and uh, a precision rifle and you've got a revolver you're probably going to lose okay so, you're on the spot so, so there's all that being said though i think one thing we've got to make clear is even with these mass shootings that have involved high powered rifles they're vanishingly rare the vast majority of killings are being done with pistols and they're being done in our inner cities and so for designing laws around a mass school shooting that's addressing a problem that is a microcosm of the whole thing and, and that's where i go back to root causes and family <clears throat> breakdown and emptying our mental health institutions that were both things caused by the left back in the 1960s 
Oh, Jim, I actually I, I, agree I, I with that last part. <laughs> I disagree with the last part because you said inner really? city is black on black crime. Okay, as long as black on black crime is happening, no one gives a shit. Isn't okay? that the truth? Right, and so that's my problem is is that the narrative is now telling about inner cities and shooting. I think when any gun it comes into place, you know, then you know we're going to give a narrative about that piece. As long as it's in the inner city and the black people, I'm not worrying about it. But when it hits my schools and it starts to kill people, there's another narrative. It's a mental issue. Okay, yeah. So I, that's my problem. I, I agree 100% with you there. And I think it's extremely unfortunate. Um, you know, I, I see the good work that some of the people I'm connected with in the business world are doing to help uh, improve education and help uh, reach out to fatherless children, those are the people make it, making a difference in the stuff you're talking about. And I support that. And it's just I not ask, Do you think people are more concerned about their ability to own a gun and the right not being taken away? Or should we be more focused on the number of fatalities caused by gun-related violence, whether or not it is a mass shooting or just someone mugging someone, whatever it may be? Like, well, why well, are we again, not focusing I, on gun control laws going back to what Hyatt said that protect everyone else and not someone who has a gun. I think that's a loaded question because you you're creating the fallacy of false choice. It's not the number of guns and it's not the law abiding gun owners who are the problem. It's the people who uh, either have the mental health issues or have been raised in a, a cycle of violence. Did he? So there's a lot of causes that go far beyond what we always talk about. And we never want to talk about, okay, what's changed? It isn't that America has a crap load of guns. That's been the case forever. Something else changed that makes it now this disaster of gun violence that we see every weekend. But okay. I think it's because people have changed. And now they're using guns differently than they would have before. Right? Like I said from earlier, what the reasons why people are now using guns it's like to protect against crime but i think that's what to make people feel more safe and i think there are an impact on having gun violence laws um i found a study uh conducted from 2012 to 2016 called the impact of gun violence restraining order laws in the u.s and firearm suicide among older adults um it's a longitudinal state level analysis um by sadi et al from the bmc public health institution and what they looked at were gun violence restricting orders, which were basically laws that forced people to remove any firearms they had from people deemed to be a danger to themselves or others um, and their effects on suicide. And kind of what they concluded was that stricter firearm legislation, as well as GVR laws, are protective against firearm related suicides among older adults. And I really want to bring this conversation back to suicides because it's really, I think you're right, Jim, when you say that school shootings are a symptom. It's not the root cause. And I think it's really tragic that we're losing so many suicide. Owning a gun is, you know, defending yourself. I think people who defend themselves also need to recognize there are people who are using the tool in the most inadequate way. And I think we, if we all had the chance, we would stop someone from committing suicide. And the fact that guns to commit suicide is really tragic. And I really just, want to emphasize and yet to assume that you take the gun away and there's not going to have the it's not about hurt. removing all guns I, I do want to i do want to i should i feel like i should agree earlier 
it's not like we're advocating to take away guns. I understand that people rely on guns for hunting. That's their supply of food for the year. I realize people do have a right to have a gun in their home. That makes complete sense when they're trying to protect themselves. I think it's also about being conscious about the people who aren't able to use a gun wisely. I think, you know, I think back to like when people drive cars and there are so many regulations, like you have to get a permit test, you have to get a, you have, someone have to teach you, you also have to take a behind the wheel test and cars are still very dangerous, but it's also things like, okay, this is why you can't drink and drive. And when incidents like that happen, we try to minimize them as much as possible. And so it's kind of like, a big proponent of this is what Edwin was saying earlier like yeah people should take a training class I feel like people should you know there should be a waiting period it's just it's harder to do that when everyone's like oh that's my right and we forget about there's other people losing their lives for the but, not being not from crime but the main thing I would be a proponent of then when it comes to the laws is enforcing the ones we already have and we see the Soros prosecutors now refusing to prosecute violent criminals freeing people from prison willy-nilly and golly all of a sudden there's a spike of crime in the cities that they that they're in um again twenty thousand laws on the book how many more do we need oh, and yet we we enforce very few of them and we enforce them very spottily so if we actually started enforcing the ones we'd have uh we might see a difference without <laughs> passing additional legislation Thank you everyone for today's roundtable discussion and now transitioning into closing statements. Jim, if you'd like to go ahead and start us out. Sure thing. Thank you, Margo, Hyatt, Edwin, Kevin. I think it was the best roundtable yet. Yeah, uh, you know, obviously this one's, uh, e even among those of us who who broadly agree, there, there's a lot of different thoughts out there and, and rightly so. I mean, it's, it's uh, a brutally important discussion. Um, I think I made it very clear that I'm not in favor of adding gun laws. Um, you know, I am in favor of looking at what the causes of the problems are. And there are just so many things in society today that need to be addressed. The uh, breakdown of the family, the um, breakdown of education, the um, ridiculous things we do to people who've been incarcerated and get out and can't find work. and um, you know, there are so many causes that we never talk about when these things happen. We we go into our armed or unarmed, as the case may be, camps and start hurling brick, brick bats at each other. So to me, the, the productive thing would be to say, OK, sure, we're going to we're going to have the gun control discussion, but we need to have some more fundamental discussions about how we start repairing some of the, the problems in society. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. And Kevin, if you'd like to go ahead and give us your closing statement for today. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, hi. Thanks, everyone, for the roundtable and getting us to this point. One of the things I really want to look at is, as Jim has mentioned about many laws out there, I think it's about time we start getting the right laws and the correct laws to actually amend what we have in the pra practice. Because once again, it's the narrative and there's more people involved and there's now a lot of more people's involvement. You know, like when a lot, lot of those laws Basic, I didn't even have the right to, you know, when you're looking back in the 40s, the African-American group could not even bear arms in the military. So when we're talking about that, we have to start evolving today. 
because we have had a lot of discussions about a lot of different areas and a lot of people today. And I think we need to start listening to this diverse group of people in this country and how a lot of things come in place and remember the values of what America stands for. And I think we've lost our way in certain areas is because it's more or less the me generation and the I generation, what's in it for me versus what's in it for the country and our neighbors and our friends and our family. I think we need to get back to the essence of what made this country great, but I think we're falling apart. And I hate to say that this is not a great country anymore because we've missed a lot of opportunities here to you know, uh, move ahead. And we've become very polarized in the sense of how we look things and how we look at opinions and how we look at facts and how we have discussions. And we need to start looking at those pieces. And there's gonna be a lot of heart and tough um, conversations. And that's what we had in place with our politicians today. We got to get faith back into that piece by electing the right officials and having some great discussions on both sides, not just one side, but both sides. So thanks again. And let me have this opportunity to talk about this very sensitive subject that we face today. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Kevin. And Edwin, if you'd like to go ahead, no, if you'd like to go ahead and give us your closing statements for today. Sure. I, I want to thank uh, my partner in crime, uh, Jim. Great points today, Kevin. Great points, Hyatt. I would really appreciate your contribution. You made great points, and I think everybody's learned something today. And I think more importantly, it's 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 a it's a behavioral and psychological thing that's uh, that's causing all these issues. It's not necessarily guns and. We put the guns forth forward and 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 blame it on the gun control. Well, there's also something to be said for the psychological and mental balance of people that are obtaining guns and creating this violence. But I will say this that I think there's probably some answers out there that we just don't know. And how do we go about it? We've talked about some of the solutions, but you know, it's only it's only words. We need action, and anything we can do to to uh, you know, vet out the people that potentially can harm others. But we don't need to take the right away from other people to protect themselves and their families. So there's got to be a a, a medium there somewhere so that we can figure out how to maintain the Second Amendment along with protecting our people from gun violence. And I think it goes back to the premise of our podcast, and that is knowing people that you surround yourself with. And when you go out and you look at all these mass murders and you look at all the all the killings and the gun violence, usually there's warning signs. But because we choose not to know our neighbors, choose not to know our own children, choose not to know our our families, we actually have to take some accountability for that. So I think we need to, at this point, take this podcast, share with other people, and understand that it's not, it's not the guns, it's us as people. We don't we we see warning signs and we don't act upon them. And I think if we did, we would see less violence happen utilizing guns or any other kind of method for mass destruction. And it goes as far as simple domestic violence up to the Ukrainian war. People have to communicate. And that's what we need to do. Thank you, Edwin. And finally, hi, if you'd like to go ahead and give us your closing statement. 
Yes, thank you everyone. Thanks Edwin, Kevin, Jim, and Margo. I'm really glad to be part of this episode. Um, I'm still a proponent for increasing gun control laws, not to protect people from crime, but protect those who choose to not have guns at all and need some form of protection. Um, Jim, I totally agree with you. And I think um, when you say, you know, we really do need to focus on the kind of like the breakdown of education, the breakdown of like helping people and those who are formerly incarcerated. I think that is also one of the reasons why we do have a lot of violence. Um, but I also think enforcing court laws, like you said before, there are laws saying that, you know, there are obviously laws that are like, people who are not mentally fit shouldn't have guns. And I do think we do not enforce that. But a big thing for me is, um, I think we do need more laws in order to make it possible for people to enforce those laws and to prevent those things from happening. So when I think about how suicide is, you know, mostly committed with guns and realizing that our current systems aren't working in ways to prevent that, I think more laws. And one thing I wanna, really agree with is Edwin when you say community. I think people, I think community is the answer for everything. <laughs> um, but also building those relationships, keeping an eye out for people who are going through tough times because or trauma. And I really think a lot of people react to trauma and guns is just one way and to react. So a huge point to me is yeah, building. Thank you. Thank you everyone for joining us today on whatever platform you chose. You can find us at our website, madforus.org, or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or... If you enjoyed what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe to notifications so you can be notified each time we have an episode. If you've not listened to our previous episode on foreign policy, I implore you to go back and do so. This episode concludes Season 2. Can't wait to see you in Season 3.